We respond in praise using God's word. So turn with me as we're going to read together Psalm 61 on page 344. That song is a great way to open ourselves up. We want to see God this morning and we want him to speak to us. And so we respond by hearing God's word and letting God's word speak to us this morning. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 61, where David, where the psalmist cries out to God, his rock. We're going to read this. It's on page 344, responsively by whole verse. I'll read the odd verses. Please respond with the even. And we're only going to read the first five verses before we finish with the glory be to the Father, the Gloria Patri. So on page 344, I'll read the odd. Please respond with the even. Hear my cry, O God. Give ear unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I will call upon you when my heart is in heaviness. O set me upon the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge and a strong tower for me against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tabernacle forever, and my refuge shall be under the covering of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows and have given a heritage to those who fear your name. Together, if you want, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13, as we continue looking at the story of Peter. So Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you're joining us just for the first time today, we have been uh, in a series in the life and letters of Peter, Simon Peter. And uh, we're continuing on with Matthew chapter 16, the account of Jesus 
renaming Peter, but Peter declaring Jesus to be the Christ. So we're going to talk about something we've talked about at Christ Church Vienna a lot because it's one of the most common things that we think about in our modern era, or at least underlying most of our thoughts, and that's identity. Modern people, especially in the West, um, think of identity as a core part of who we are. We are individualists who are called on our own to figure out why we're here, what life is about, and who you are meant to be, right? It's one of the main topics in uh, political and uh, media culture and studies. It's part of what's dividing our country. What we say in our modern world is you need to figure out who you are and find yourself. And so you look at the things you're good at or the things you do or the things you feel. You look inside to find yourself and then become who you think you are. Who I think I am will shape how I live. Now, I think the gospel and what God is doing in Jesus Christ calls us to a different way of understanding our identity, to find a true identity in Christ. Our true identity is not something we just search for on our own. It actually comes from Jesus and is a calling from God. So I, we used this term last summer when we were going through our summer of discernment as a church. It's that all of us as humans have the ability to live into a gospel identity. Your gospel identity is who you are because of what Christ has done. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, you and I are forgiven. We are loved. We are children of God, heirs of God's eternal kingdom. That is my identity. I am a child of God. I am loved. I am forgiven because of Christ. That's my gospel identity. But I also believe each one of us has what I call, I'm calling this a kingdom identity. It's not a biblical term, but it's just a way of categorizing that I believe each one of us was uniquely made to reflect the image of God in a unique way and to be a part of living into and building God's kingdom in this world. This is not just your job, your vocation, your relationships, your personality, or what you feel inside. This is the way God has made you and the way he is calling you, the life he wants you to live into, the life he's offering you to live into now and forever. We see this happening with Peter in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus gives him an identity. He turns back to a false identity. And each of us is in turn called to say, which one are we gonna follow? In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus takes his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. It's about as far from Jerusalem as they've been. It's in the northernmost part of Israel, at least when Israel was under David and Solomon's reign. By this point, it's not really even a Jewish area. It's a Gentile area. It's, it's known for its pagan deities. Caesarea Philippi was away from the Jewish masses that Jesus and the disciples had spent much of their time with. And as Jesus is alone with them in this pagan and Gentile land, he asks his disciples specifically in verse uh, 14 and 15, 13, 14 and 15, who do people say that I am? And the disciples respond, well, people say you're John the Baptist or Elijah come back to life. Basically, they're saying you're a prophet like Elijah or John the Baptist. And Jesus stops them or listens to what they're saying about what people are saying about him. And he says, but what about you? You've been with me now for two years, maybe more than two years by this point. 
who do you say that I am? And Peter replies in verse 16, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Simon is the first one in the Gospel of Matthew to declare Jesus to be the Christ. And of course, it makes sense. Simon has been with Jesus for two years. He's seen everything that Jesus has done. And he's a pretty smart guy. He's educated in the Jewish world. He understood the scriptures. He knew what he had seen. And he said, Jesus, you are the Christ. Except that's not what Jesus says. <laughs> Jesus tells him with a blessing in verse 17, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. In other words, you could not have used reason alone or flesh and blood other people. It wasn't just evidence, although the evidence is there, Peter had seen all the miracles Jesus had done and had heard the authority with which he taught and represented God the Father. But it required God's inspiration in his mind and in his heart. Reason was a part of it, but it was God by his spirit entering into Peter's thoughts to declare you are the Christ. You know, every one of us has a mind that can be a mind filled with Christ, a mind under God, inspired by the Spirit. Each of us has giftings to build things or create things or organize things, but the mind in Christ, the mind inspired by God, is not just the human rational, it's the ability to be creative and insightful and fearless. And I think there are things that maybe even you and I would be called into outside of just kind of declaring Jesus the Christ in uh, business development or art or scientific breakthrough or medical innovation to lead to build to create that is your gifting filled by the spirit into creative and bold fearlessness. In this moment, Peter has that. And actually, he's not even Peter at this point in the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus then goes on to say, um, he, he says, Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And then in verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus gives Peter a new name. He calls Simon and he gives him a new name, Peter, that we know him by. Peter is the Greek and Aramaic word Kephas or Cephas, and it means rock or the rock. It's like a nickname like Rocky. But when Jesus calls him Peter, he says, you're not Simon anymore. You are Peter. You're the rock. This is not just a new name it, or like a nickname. And we know this because that name and the meaning behind it was a metaphor in the Old Testament. It was a nickname in the Old Testament, if you would. For whom? For God Almighty. The Psalm that we read today said, lead me to the rock 
that is higher than I. That rock is God. God was seen as the rock, the immovable foundation, the fortress, the place of safety, and the place on which to build your life. In a shaking sand world, Yahweh God of the Old Testament is the rock on which to build. So when Jesus calls Simon a new name, he says, you are Peter. He is not just giving him a nickname like Rocky Balboa. He's giving him a new identity and a calling. Simon, this is who God has made you to be. You are made to be Peter, the rock on which my church begins to be built. You know, the Bible is filled with places where God enters into the lives of individuals and gives them a new name and a new identity in that. Abram, the patriarch, his name meant exalted father, but God renames him in Genesis, Abraham, father of nations, father of many, father of multitudes. And even to this day, Abraham is considered the patriarch, the father of Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. That was a calling and identity that found its fulfillment even beyond his own life. David was 15 years old when he was given not a new name, but a new calling and identity. When Samuel the prophet came in and anointed him as the future king. By the power of the Lord, Samuel enters the, the town of Bethlehem and finds the tribe of, of Judah and inside of that finds David out of all of the brothers. David at this point is 15 years old. In our modern world, he can't even drive a car. He's a sophomore in high school and he is now a king. Why? Because God says you are my king. And it wasn't for 20 years before he became king, but he was king as a 15 year old. That's why he can go and, and fight Goliath fearlessly because he knows he is God's king and he isn't yet king. This is his identity, who he is, who God has made him to be. Like Saul becoming Paul or John the beloved. Your new name is Rock and on you I will build my church. Simon's past was a very normal past, much like any of us would have. He was Simon, son of Jonah, a fisherman who lived in Capernaum. So there's his family name, his job, and his location of living. All of those sorts of things that we would build an identity around, and especially in that ancient world, that's what you built it around. But now he is Peter, the rock, the foundation of the future church, a fisher of men who will go to the ends of the earth proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, I believe each of us has a name and identity, if you would, more, and that's probably the better way to think of it, a kingdom calling. But to get there, you have to start with this. You have to understand God's view of you, your gospel identity. Until you understand who you are in Christ, that you are forgiven and loved, worthy because of Christ, a child of God, you're going to have a hard time understanding who he's calling you to be. But after you understand God's view of you, you can discern, listen to, and hear God's identity for you. So if you're 
trying to understand what that is, you look to Christ. You look to Christ and first understand who you are in Christ. And then learn to listen. Learn to listen to God as he speaks into your mind through scripture, through other people, and through being quiet and saying, God, who do you call me? You know, in Revelation 2.17, it says that one day God will give his people a new name. This is a prophecy that's said in uh, Isaiah as well. And when it says that God will give you a new name, it doesn't necessarily mean that Johnny is going to become, you know, Richard. It's rather God's future calling for who I am to be in eternity. But who I am to be in eternity is who I am to be right now. Because I am in Christ, an heir of eternity. Your kingdom identity, what God says about you, how he uniquely made you and wants to use you in this world, is your eternal identity, but it is also your now identity. But even when we know that, when we know who we are in Christ and what God has called us to be, we fall. Peter is one moment praised, right? Hey, the Father has revealed to you that I am the Christ. You are Peter, and on you, the rock, I'm going to build my church. And the very next moment, Peter is responding out of a false identity of fear. In verse 22, we read that after Jesus from then on began to say, we're going to Jerusalem where I will be rejected by the, the leaders, I will be arrested, and they will kill me. And on the third day, I will rise again. Peter says, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Peter, Peter, I think, is looking at the situation. He knows who Jesus is and who he's kind of linked himself with. And he's like, look, Jesus, you got something good going on here. You could be president. Don't, if going to Jerusalem means you're going to get killed, let's not go to Jerusalem. Or let's face it, you're, you're just being negative, Jesus. You don't understand when people see what you can do, they are going to fall down. They're all going to join you. We're going to become Israel again. You are the Messiah. You're the king. And Peter knew rationally, he knew the scriptures. The Messiah is a king and kings sit on thrones. They're not crucified like criminals. But he's also reacting, not just rationally, but out of fear. We can't lose. You can't die. That can't be the way. He's not letting his identity through the rock hear God through Jesus and follow. He's acting out of fear, which is his false identity. And Jesus rebukes him, get behind me, Satan. It's the same thing that he says in Matthew chapter four, when Satan is tempting him in the wilderness, Satan tempts Jesus in the wilderness before he begins his ministry with a, another way of building a kingdom that doesn't involve a cross. And eventually Jesus says, go away, Satan. Satan is always trying to call us out of the things that God might be calling us to. He is a liar and an accuser 
and a thief. That's the description. Satan isn't a creator. He doesn't have power the way we often think about it. (laughs) But he does remind us of our false identity. Peter, you, you don't want to go to Jerusalem. You don't want Jesus to die. That can't be the right way. Satan operates in pushing before us a constant reminder of fear, guilt, and shame, the foundations of our false identities. Fear of things we can't control, fear of not getting our way, guilt for things that we've done, and the shame of being unworthy. And you know, when we confess sin to God, we often confess our external sin. But underneath of that is very often a motivation. We're responding out of fear or guilt or shame. You know, I believe that one of the things God has designed me to do is to be a creator. That's sort of one of the identities he's given me is like, live into this, Johnny, you are a creator. But I find that I will very often live out of a false identity of fear. I can get defensive. I can often lose my temper or get angry or just be unhappy. And when I think about why, it's because I'm living out of fear, the false identity of fear, that if I don't, get, if I don't defend my way, I, I, I'm gonna lose my position. Or I'm angry because I'm not in control. Or I'm unhappy because I'm feeling bad about myself. It's that fear and shame. Instead of living into the fullness of being a child of God, who's been called to be God's unique creator in this world and the places he has put me. Most of us wrestle with that. While Jesus offers us innocence, we believe that we are guilty. While Jesus says that we are full of honor and we are worthy, we believe that we are full of shame. While Jesus says you are loved in me, you have nothing to fear, We operate so often out of fear. And we end up believing the lies and living out of our false identity. And here's why it's much easier to believe the lies. Think about it. If you're in a marriage that's really not a healthy marriage relationally, what you often find is that it's filled with a lot of names and identities that you have given to each other. And you hear the words and the phrases of your spouse. You're just a failure. You're a loser. You're dumb, you're ugly, you're incapable, you're a liar. And do you believe that or do you believe the gospel? What happens is we believe the other person and then we live into that identity and in order to protect ourselves and in our shame and fear, we attack them back with our own set of names and anger. Think about it. God is calling us to live out of a true identity, but we fall back into a false. And then he calls us to that true. The woman who came and washed Jesus' feet with her hair was known as a prostitute in her village. What do you think were the names and identities that people gave her? What sort of words would they use for a woman who was a prostitute in that culture? And when she comes and washes Jesus' feet, everyone is aghast. They are, you cannot let this woman, she comes in her shame and washes Jesus' feet to honor and worship him. And what does Jesus call her? My daughter. My daughter. 
because that's who she is. That's how he sees her. And she's transformed. And essentially he says, go and live as a daughter of the king, a daughter of the Lord God Almighty. Don't live into those false identities of shame and guilt that you have fallen into. But we often believe the lies of Satan who says, all you are is the things you've done. Your failure, your guilt, and your shame. You're just a cheat, a liar, an alcoholic. And Jesus says, I died for you. I love you. You are forgiven. You are worthy because of me. And I have a name for you, an eternal identity that I want you to know and live into now. But we instead believe our past or believe the wind and waves are real. You know, Peter's true identity was the rock, but his false identity is fear and shame. When he's living according to his false identity, Peter will sink, he will deny Jesus, and he will try to rebuke Jesus from going to Jerusalem to the cross. But when he is living into his true identity as Peter, letting God speak into him, he can walk on water. He can proclaim that Jesus is the Christ. He can stand up on Pentecost just a year later and tell everyone what Jesus has done. And then even a few days after that, he fearlessly proclaims the good news of Jesus before the religious leaders, in spite of the fact that arrest and beating and death were right before him. He is fearless and bold and full of joy when he's living in his true identity. And in his false identity, he's full of guilt and shame and fear. Which one do you want to live out of? Your false identity or your true identity? Which one are you actually living out of? Don't settle for being just Simon, son of Jonah, a fisherman in Capernaum. Not that that's a bad vocation, but don't settle for that being your identity. Your identity is not just your family name, your giftings, your career, where you live, nor give in to the lies of guilt and shame and fear and the false identity that Satan wants you to live in. Understand who you are in Christ and who he is calling you to be. You have to start with the first question, which is answering Jesus' question of you. Who do you say I am? And then you need to ask God, Jesus, who do you say I am? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you called Peter not just to follow you, but to be Peter, the one from before creation that you created him to be, to be the rock, the fisher of men, the foundation of the church, to live in boldness, fearlessness, and joy. And likewise, you call us to a kingdom identity a true eternal calling. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, who you are calling us to be, and to live in the fullness of joy. In Jesus' name we pray.